Perfect. Well, good afternoon, everybody. and Welcome to the importance of business change when deploying technology webinar. My name is Natasha Bradley, and I'm the commercial manager here at Inform. And I'm really excited to be joined by Ginny Holden, our behavioral and change psychologist. Please feel free to ask any questions throughout the webinar by using the Microsoft Teams chat. Um, but Jenny, over to you. Well, thank you very much. OK, so hi, my name is Jenny Holden. Um, I'm a behavioural and change psychologist. I've been working in this field for around 30 years. Um, and what I we wanted to do today was to be able to look at a question a lot of you have asked us over the years, which is how do we achieve return on investment from deploying new tools and technology. So we're going to look at four areas today. We're going to look at ROI and new tools and technology and how it depends on your people actually spending the time to learn new skills and not just learn those new skills, but to turn them into unconscious behaviour. So a habit. And also, why is that important and what is it about people and how they learn things that really drives return on investment. We're then going to look at how long you have to practice those new tools until they actually become unconscious behaviour. So exactly like when you were learning to drive a car, when you first took your driving test, you were still consciously thinking about everything. If you'd then stopped and never driven a car again and got into it, say, five years hence, you'd have had to start right back in the beginning. But even if you'd left it four or five months, your behaviours and your knowledge of how to drive would have slipped. And then the last one, which is sometimes the most important thing, is how on earth do we start? Where are we? How do we drive that ROI? How do we go from where we are today to be able to deliver that? Before I go any further, I'd like to say if you want to ask me any questions, please do ask in the chat. They, they will come up and I can handle them then or we can look at more questions at the end. But do feel free to interact if you would like over the chat. So, 6.5 million years. What on earth has this got to do with technology and change? Well, 6.5 million years is the amount of time that human beings have actually been evolving. So from the first hominoids on the planet, the change and transformation that we have undergone as human beings and the fact that for all of that 6.5 million years, we have actually been transforming who we are all the time. And one of the things which is most fundamental when you start to look at how you want to deliver um, return on investment from change is the fact to recognise that we're all human beings and we all have an evolutionary history and we always have changed and transformed. But we have done that in very particular ways. So let's have a look at some of the first things we need to talk about and review. So I'm sure you've heard of this one, which is all the gear and no idea. And we all know the fact that and you might yourself might have done. I mean, I know I have. Um, I went out and bought a state of the art snowboard, having just snowboarded for a couple of seasons. And to be fair, um, I nearly killed myself the next time I got on it because the level of expertise that that new tool, that snowboard demanded of me was far higher than my skill level. And this is the important thing to understand is that expert usage. You take a tool. 
you then understand or learn certain things. You gain knowledge about how that tool is used. And and sometimes, I mean, we, we all saw over lockdown where people had thought being cutting their own hair. So I've got tools. I've watched, as in scissors, I've watched a couple of videos on YouTube. But when I do it, I'm no expert because the next thing you actually need to be able to do that is practice. Now, the amount of practice you have to do and how many times you have to do that depends on how fast you can bring up that skill. So one of the things we always see when people want to change and do things new on new technology skill, sorry, new technology tools, new business processes, is people need to spend that time and how long that time takes is how you create an unconscious skill. So we've all been there. We've worked in technology for quite a long time. We all give people new tools and all of a sudden everyone suddenly expects everyone to become an expert. And I'm not sure if this is the same for you, but I used to use, in fact, I probably still do. I use Excel like I was first taught about 20 years ago. It's only recently I've learned some of the new things. So sometimes what we don't see is the difference between where someone is on their skill set and where they could be if we spent the time, energy and effort to understand where they are, what they need to learn. But more importantly, how long do we need to motivate them to be able to learn in that way? So why, when we train people, do they forget? And this is a wonderfully interesting, sorry, still getting over my COVID cough. A wonderfully interesting thing about the way human brains work is when we first designed this brain and evolution did it, it was very expensive in a protein way for the human brain to create unconscious, new unconscious skills. We literally had to lay down and we still do today new neural pathways, because if you don't lay down a new neural pathway, the skill stays in your conscious brain. It's only when you lay down the new neural pathway, it becomes unconscious. And when we our first our brains were developed to do this. Food and the types of proteins we needed were in very short supply. So the brain thinks, why should I do this? Prove to me over and over again why I should be doing it. Because it positively tries to stop having to waste that energy to wire down those skills. So a lot of the time we bring in new tools and technologies. We provide people with a manual. We train them. We spend time training them. And then all of a sudden, probably after about six months, people have forgotten. They've gone back to what they used to do. And this is because of this. It's because the brain has to be convinced to wire down, to literally create those new neural pathways. Once it's done that, you start forming an unconscious habit. And until we've got unconscious habits, people do not change. Therefore, you won't get ROI. And this is why you see people's behavior slipping back to what it used to be and the tools they used to use. So how long does this take? Um, it's not too complicated to understand, actually. So to understand this section, we need to look at a number of things. Um, and that depends on what skill you're teaching people. It depends on how often they do it. 
but it also depends on the skill gap between where they are and where you need them to be. So I call those frequency, how often, effort, how long, and the margin is how, what is the distance between the as is skill and the to be skill. And once you've worked that out, you actually then understand how long you will need to motivate your people for. And just as a feeling, um, a lot of the IT tools we use today and a lot of things we do have become unconscious process, have become something that you don't think about. Oh, I need I'm going to book a meeting and you don't think about I need to create these six actions and I need to press that button there. What you do is you just go and do it. To get someone then to change that behaviour, if you book a meeting every day or every couple of days, those two people would be slightly different. But on average, and you may have heard the fact that it takes 21 days to create a new habit. Um, I'd like to explode that pop psychology myth right here, right now. It depends on how often you do it, what's the effort required and the distance between now and where you want people to be. So if you suddenly overnight shifted from Skype to Teams, if you shifted from um, Lotus Notes to a Microsoft Office environment, those are very large changes. And although your people won't tell you how complicated or hard they're having to work, you'll see the impact in how people will be trying to do it, but not achieving it. So you get an impact on the quality of work they do, how they feel about themselves. So how long is how long to create new behaviours in frequency, effort and margin. And when you've got that time, you need to keep people motivated. You need to give them reasons to keep doing it because the more you keep them to do it, the more the brain then wires down. It spends the time to create new neural pathways. So motivation. How do we motivate people? You know, telling them that it, this is good for the business is seriously no motivation at all. Because your brain doesn't live in your business. Your brain lives in your body. So if we're doing true motivation, we have to make it personal. We have to give an emotional link. Logically, we all know we need to do things differently. Um, but how do I make an emotional link to those things I want people to do? How do we land it? How do we make sure that they feel it's personal and it's personal to me? The final thing. <laughs> Sorry is how do we trigger the inherent ability of your group of people, of your culture to change? Going back very briefly at the beginning, we talked about evolution. Well, evolution hardwired within each of us, the ability to change and transform. And one of the things that Inform do brilliantly is understand how we trigger that, that evolutionary ability to drive and transform. You can do it without it. You can just appeal to the emotional and the personal, but understanding how your organisation and how the groups of people in it and to trigger the evolutionary mechanisms is one of the key drivers to delivering ROI. So how do we start? Um, this is a very particular model that Inform use. And where most people have done is you've done a dot. So you put tools out there and you gave people training and you might have given some one to one support. But adopt, if you can think in your head, is just the bit where you've learnt to drive for your driving test. Because you're consciously thinking about mirror, signal, mirror, manoeuvre. You're consciously thinking about 
if I go into reverse and I have to parallel park, what I actually do. Your brain has yet to create those neural pathways to be able to, for it to be unconscious. So what we do here at Inform is we measure each of these stages so we can look at how you use certain technologies and specifically something like Microsoft Teams. In the background to Teams, we can look at behaviours which will show us if you've just adopted. So, for example, what we tend to see in this area is the fact you'll get quite a lot of change quickly. People use it and then it'll drop off a cliff because we've not wired those behaviours down. The next one is optimise. Optimise is that stage where you've started to keep motivating people to spend that time to change, to wire down those new neural pathways. And what happens in optimise is these habits start to be unconscious. So what you would see in something like Microsoft Teams is the fact that you're getting far less email and everything is in the right place at the right time in Teams. So you're beginning to do it in a specific way. So you're optimising that behaviour. And it's probably, if you were continuing the analogy of driving a car, this would be when you're probably six months in and you can possibly just about manage to have a conversation on the phone, if, if you're hands free, or with a person next to you and still drive. You know, you, you're beginning to do those things unconsciously. We then come to empower. Empowers that specific change in someone's brain when they've wired down those behaviours, the neural pathways have been put into place when you start to come up to becoming moving to be an expert behaviour. And at this stage, you aren't thinking about what you're doing or how you're doing it. You're thinking about how well you can do it, how fast I can do it, how much better I can do it. So perhaps you took an advanced driving test. Perhaps you did the thing where you're, you are now beginning to build on those skill sets that you have. But the first stage, when you wired it down, then it became unconscious. You're now beginning to become really good at it and looking and also helping other people do it better. This is one of the first places you will start to see significant change in your people, in your business processes on those technology tools, which begins to elucidate ROI. You begin to start to see it and feel it. You can watch your business behaving differently. Then finally, when every single person in that business unit or in your business is working in that way, you get to exploit. You get to see that the dream that someone like a Microsoft or a ServiceNow or someone would tell you, this is what happens when you can use these tools. Um, and those are the areas. So we've got to adopt, optimise, empower and exploit. What happens most of the time is technology vendors do not tell you how much time investment you will have to spend as an organisation to achieve those ROIs. They always sort of go, here's the tool and you're going to be brilliant. However, having looked at this now, we also know that um, you can have all the gear and no idea about how you take your people through this process, how we understand where they are and how you motivate them to get to the next stage when it's personal, it's emotional and you use who you are as an organisation. These are the stages you go through to deliver return on investment. So that's a very quick overview of some of the in-depth things that we do. Um, I'd now like perhaps for you to sit back for a second, 
think about some things you'd like to ask me or go into more detail. Um, and it does feel very strange talking to a blank screen because I know you're all on mute. I'd love to hear from you about your challenges or where you are and if you have any questions about what I've talked about. So, Natasha, shall I hand this over to you now so you can um, we can field the questions? Yeah, of course. And I'm going um, to cough. Sorry, I'm going to go on mute for a second so I can cough. No problem at all. Thank you ever so much. That was that was very interesting. So. If you have any questions, please, please feel free to put them in the um, chat. I can see someone's typing away as we as we as we're speaking. Um, but you know, we have got another five ten minutes left of the, of, of the time allocated, so we have plenty of time for some interaction, which I know Jenny would love to to hear from you. So unless we want to take people off mute, I don't mind. So we have a question. So from Bridget. Um, which is the most difficult phase where people get stuck? This is um, this is a truly interesting question because this would depend on um, if I'm looking at what we, uh, of what informed you of doing each of those stages properly. What I would have said today is most people don't recognise how much you need to motivate your people to spend the time to change. So the most difficult phase is actually delivering adoption well. Because once you've got adoption well, you can make that transfer into the next three stages. You can start to move um, into optimise and into empower, but it's adoption. People seem to think, and I said I'd love to hear more of your experiences if you can share, that just giving tools to people makes them experts. And one of the things that we've understood specifically about human behaviour is although we've used tools for millennia, we had to learn how to use those tools and how we hand on that tool use. Ooh. Hope that answers the question for you. Yes. So from Matthew, what happens if clients are struggling drawing optimization and adopting the wrong processes? How do we get them back on track? I love that. Thank you, Matthew. Because nothing, no matter how well you plan it, goes in a straight line. Right. There will always be challenges. And one of the biggest challenges we see are other business priorities coming in. So there are a couple of things we can do at this stage. One, we need to assess the importance of the change we're doing versus the changes that are actually happening and how important they are to that business, because we may need to look at the cascade of what people are doing and how they're working. Um, we would so once we've done that, we can understand how our change and how we're doing fits in with everything else they're doing. We would then relook at the how we motivate people and how we actually land learning, because one of the things that sometimes people only have four or five minutes a day or five minutes a day to spend looking at something new. So if we're up against an awful lot of other things going on, we make learning bite size, we make it interactive and we make it quick. So that can then start to, to move people through um, adopting into the next phase. What I would also say is we need to be able to measure what we do. Now, in some of the IT tools, this is easier than others, but um, I've mentioned it before, but in Microsoft Teams, it's very easy to measure where people are and where they're stuck. I hope that answers your question, Matthew. Um, so, Bridget, again, so what are good ways to measure whether people have adopted and are adopting what they've learned? So, 
being able to measure people's behaviour is usually the most accurate way of seeing this. And what we what Inform do and what I've worked on in different technologies tools would be what does adoption actually look like? What behaviours would we be seeing? And I know I've taken teams rather a lot, but I'm going to use this again as an example because it's something we all we all have used all the time. So when we start to look at what adoption looks like, we should start to see significant drop in OneDrive behaviour. So not storing it for me, but knowledge is power to everyone. So I store it in an open manner and I put what I've done out um, in a team. Also, sharing and constructing um, work together on on a particular topic or on a particular PowerPoint or where you'd like to see it. But it's the fact that people come together to work and you're getting less documenting email being driven around your business. Because what this tests is the fact that we're starting to shift the norm that knowledge is power to me to knowledge is power to everyone within that unit. I hope that answers your question, Bridget. So we've got two people chatting. That has in the the last five minutes, has anyone else got anything they would like to ask? Okay. Oh, oh, there's another no. question. Oh, <laughs> just thinking. Love it. Thank you very much, Bridget. Um, you you highlighted some very interesting things. So just before I move forward into Natasha's close, the one of the, the if you only remember two things from where we sat down today, what I would love you to take forward is that people matter, how our brains have been architected and structured by evolution, how we actually think, how we learn is truly important when you're looking at business change. So people must be at the centre of what you do. Don't just give them tools and motivate them personally and emotionally and as a group to change, because this is how change happens. This is how transformation and evolutionary change has happened over 6.5 million years. Your people are the most important thing that you will do and understanding how long it will take them will deliver that return on investment for you. Um, and I can see that Bridget is still typing another question. Uh, can I ask a question in person? Yes, please. Do you want to, Natasha, can you unmute um, Bridget? Yeah, you should be able to unmute yourself. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you, uh, Ginny and Natasha. Yeah, I thought it might just be easier um, to ask. Is there a risk of over-communicating um, in the sort of adopt phase and, and optimize phase because if, if it depends for example if you say 21 days you know that, that myth you've just busted depends on um you know on, on the intensity i guess and the frequency of, of giving a message is there a risk of over communicating something i know you always have to have a reason to communicate i would have i would have said no okay. because the reason is what you're trying to do is um get into someone's conscious mind and then unconscious behavior and the more you talk about something, the the more it's going to get into where they are and what they're doing, especially when you're talking about motivating people, because what we're, you're actually doing is motivating people to spend time. And time is a quantity people think they have. Very, They don't. It's not elastic. I don't have forever time. Yeah. 
So that's why that thing has got to be personal. I personally think as long as you've got excellent comms, you could be communicating about it all the time. But one of the things I would recommend is use different channels, use a different way of shaping your message, but always that message is consistent. Um, there is really, when we're driving some of this, no reason for you not to be communicating all the time. But do remember, when we construct this communication, we know it really well. The project teams we sit within know it really well. And everyone starts to worry hugely about over communicating. What I'd recommend is always walk in the shoes of the people you're talking to and always understand how they're seeing it through their lenses, because there is practically impossible to over communicate. As long as you said you change, use different channels and use different ways of communicating the same message. That's great. Thank you, Ginny. I guess it's no, all about what's in it, what's in it for them. Uh, we have to focus on <laughs> it is, but it needs to me. It needs for them as a person as much yes, as yes. for them in the business and yep. always trying to uh, get someone's emotion. You know, the reason advertising works when we watch it is it appeals to your emotions. It makes you feel something. If you make someone feel something, they will do something. Um, I've got more now to maintain the momentum of learning. How much involvement should. Oh, now I'm not sure if you mean writing the changing uh, training or driving the training. So. Training for me is one of the most, is the way we spread those knowledge on tools. Training, if you're going to do it right in depth and properly, should actually be defined for the group you're doing it to. So if it can't just be bland, it can't just be the same for everyone. If you really want to get maximum impacting training, and this is why improving using the change team mode is really, really important is the fact that the training should be defined to the cohort or the people you're talking to. So this is why sometimes when people do a lot of their uh, proof of concepts on an IT organisation, um, it then can fail massively when put out to the business because their skills, tools, capabilities and knowledge on how a tool works are fundamentally different. So for me, change is tells training who they should be training, how they should be doing it, and at what time, and also in what bite-sized amounts. I hope that answered your question, Maud. There we go. Perfect. Thank you very much, Jenny. That was very, very, very interesting. And thanks, everyone, for the, for the questions. Um, just before we close off, Everyone who's attended the webinar today is entitled to claim a free of charge envisioning session where one of our change experts will, will take you and talk you through um, over an hour's period of time um, of how we can sort of support from a change perspective with, with yourself and your organisation. If that's of interest, you can, you can see my contact details there. Please reach out to me. Um, but thank you ever so much for joining. Um, we've really thoroughly enjoyed um, speaking to you. And thank you, Ginny. Great. Thank you. Go and have Thanks a wonderful afternoon, everyone. And um, you can always find me through um, LinkedIn or on here if you've got any particular questions um, really about how your brain works and how evolution drives change. Um, but it's been wonderful to be allowed to speak to you all and have a superb day. Thank you for your time.